what we want to focus on tonight. But of course, the one word that we want to focus on is interpreted, or the meaning of the name is given. It's the name, of course, that we read in Isaiah this morning, that prophecy of Isaiah 700 years before the event that we're reading here in Matthew. And as I said this morning, Matthew links that prophecy of Isaiah to the birth of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And it says in verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so our simple subject tonight is Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the time of worship, the time of coming apart and resting a while. We do thank you for the Sabbath. Oh, we know, Lord, you created the Sabbath at the very beginning. It's a creation ordinance. And you wanted your people to take one day in seven to ponder your wonderful work of creation and to ponder your work of the new creation, that which was to come to them. We thank you as New Testament believers, those who know thee, we can reflect on both as well, but in the sense of looking back to the cross. And we praise thee for the one who was Emmanuel, the God-man, God with us. So be amongst us now, Lord. Just as you stepped into time, will you step into this time, this meeting? Would you present yourself? Would you make yourself, oh Lord, very, may we all be very aware of your presence. Reveal yourself to sinners. Reveal yourself to the unconverted. Reveal yourself to someone who is externally in the visible church, but internally. No heart transformation. No repentance in faith. No new creature. O Lord, may it be thy will tonight that such would take place. We go forward with your authority. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We thank you that salvation is of the Lord. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you know that I have recently become a grandfather. And that is a very wonderful thing. I am a very proud grandfather. And I appreciate so much God's goodness to our family in bringing precious little Nayana, N-A-Y-A-N-A, into this world and into our experience. What a precious thing to hold a newborn baby. And of course, before she was born, there was talk about names. And have you thought of a name? And have you got a name? And and I, I gave Philip a book that Anne and I had used and uh, apparently, he found this name in the book, and it means beautiful eyes. She certainly has beautiful eyes. I wonder, and there's young people here tonight, I wonder, do you know what your name means? Mine means beloved. I'm very happy. I was named what I was named. Uh, it's often, I think, very good to reflect on that. The name Isaiah, the prophet that we were reading from this morning, his name means Jehovah is salvation. What a name. Ahaz, on the other hand, the king we were reading about this morning and who we've read in that list in Matthew chapter 1, 
He means grasper. One who grasps, one who reaches out. It gives the impression of greediness, doesn't it? And that's the wonderful thing about Bible names. They're not just identity labels. Sure they're not. Names in the Bible transmit history. I'm thinking of the Benonis and the Benjamins of the patriarchal period. Benoni, the son of my sorrow. That's what his mom wanted that record to, as it were, ripple through the family generations. But, of course, his dad changed it to Benjamin, son of my right hand. Different legacy. You have the Ichabods of the Bible. When the Philistines came and took the ark, and Eli died, and oh, it was a time of declension and a time of woe in the nation. And the child that was born was called Ichabod. The glory has departed. And forever, forever in that child's experience, his name would bear testimony to that terrible time in the history of the nation. Of course, names in the Bible also prophesied the future. Our pastor did a study just a few weeks ago on Methuselah. And you remember, he explained how that that name if you look into the Hebrew, can really be thought of. Look at commentators like John Gillett, and they'll, they'll say the same, that Methuselah meant when he dies, it shall be sent. When he dies, there will be a great emission. When he dies, there will be a great, as it were, release of water. What a name. The oldest man that ever lived, 969 years, and yet his name prophesied the future because the Bible says when he died, and you remember the mathematics was presented to us, when he died, the flood came. If you're not saved tonight, the gospel is in that word. The gospel is in that name. And maybe that's all that the Holy Spirit would rivet into your conscience tonight. Methuselah. Because when you die, the wrath of God will come upon you. And the fact that Methuselah was 969 years just simply amplifies the grace of God. Isn't that right? When he dies, it will come, and God delayed that to the longest life ever. Names in the Bible, of course, reveal character. That always astounds me. You name a child. It's quite an awesome task when you think about it. All the parents here know what I'm talking about. I'm thinking of names like Nabal. Nabal, that wicked man. The Bible says... And his wife said, as his name is, so is he. He's just exactly like his name. His character is in his name. And what did his name mean? Well, it meant foolish and vile. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Imagine that. The name that he was given at birth turned out to completely identify him in his character. And then, of course, you have Jacob the supplanter, Jacob the heel catcher. That's what it literally means. The one who dispossesses others by underhand means. Was that not true of Jacob? But thank God, of course, then there was changes of character, and the name reflected that because Jacob became Israel. Hallelujah. Change of name, change of heart. Gospel transforms people. Saul became Paul and so on. And all I want to say tonight, of course, is to concentrate on the names of God, on rather just one name, this name, Emmanuel, because all of these things I'm saying about names in the Bible, well, of course, all these and more can be learned from the names that God has given himself. 
and chosen to reveal Himself by. The names, simply the names that God has given us to reveal Himself and who He is and what He's like and what He has done, simply in those names it reveals so much of His attributes, so much of His perfections. I suppose in some ways it's like a flag, a flag which if you would put a flag of a certain color and a certain pattern outside your house, you would, be, you would be saying more than the fact that you like that design and you like those colors. That flag embodies, in some ways, your philosophy. It embodies your identity in some ways. It tells me something about what you believe. And in the same way, a name, the names of God, how they embody so much truth about God and, of course, the Lord Himself. And so, let us say three things about the name that we've read tonight, this name that God has revealed for Himself, for His Son, the Lord Jesus, for the Savior, the name Emmanuel. And it's defined for us, God with us. God with us. I simply want you to think with me, please, tonight, three different ways to look at that definition. Jesus, the Savior, is Emmanuel. Do you know Jesus? Do you have the Savior? Is He God with you? I'm going to look at it, first of all, in that most obvious way. God with us. Of course, Jesus is the one who personally presenced Himself amongst His human creation at Bethlehem. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, God was manifest in flesh. John chapter 1, the apostle reveals that Christ was God. The Word was God. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, but the world knew Him not. He was in the world. This is simply what I want to emphasize. Jesus came, and Jesus would be called Emmanuel because He would literally be God with us, God in our midst, God among us. He would be God among us. Our God the God of the Bible, is not aloof. He does not sit, as it were, in the grandstand of heaven, spectating down upon His creative work. He's not like the Greek and the Roman gods of mythology. Those, if you remember, who in the book of Acts, when Paul and Barnabas were evangelizing in those areas of Asia, and they came to that place of Lystra, and they were doing miracles and the people there said, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. It was absolutely incredible and unbelievable. It can't be, because in their system of religion, the gods were aloof. The gods were disconnected. The gods went about their own business and left everybody to their own devices. But not the God of the Bible. Not Emmanuel. Not God among us. No. God steps into time to rescue and save and deliver. We are not alone. Dear people, anyone listening to this message, you are not alone. You are not forsaken. You are not left in this world to simply live and die and go to hell. God is not indifferent to the sinner's cause. He sends His emissary. He sends His Redeemer. He sends His God-man, truly man and truly God, reaching down, fully identifying fully understanding, because he was fully human, made in the likeness of men, said Paul, when he wrote to the Philippians. Some of you are of a generation that would be familiar with those images of King George VI and his wife who 
I would have known as the Queen Mother. You remember those images during World War II? And the king and the queen, they come among the people of the London Blitz. They come down from their palace, so to speak. They come amongst the sufferers of the devastation. And they are among the people, identifying with the people, laboring with the people. Oh, and our God is so much greater than that. What a poor example. But do you understand what I'm saying? God is with us through Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is the one who comes among his creation. And of course, I'm thinking of a redemptive sense. But don't we all, don't we all need to have God come amongst us in the personal sense, even in the congregational sense? Oh, for the day that God would step in again in a very evident way that there would be power in the preaching and power in the praying and power in the witnessing. And you would know that God has stepped in. Stepping in through His words, speaking personally. May God step into your life tonight, dear unconverted person. That's what's happened to all the believers here. A time when I was going along on the broad road thinking my religion was good enough, thinking that I was good enough, all the time trampling underfoot the blood of Christ, and then God stepped in. Like the prodigal son, I came to myself. I suddenly began to think thoughts that I'd never thought before. I suddenly began to feel very troubled about my sin. I suddenly began to think about eternity and what would happen if I died. Was that me? Was that me conjuring up those thoughts? Was that me somehow pulling myself up by my shoelaces? No, that was the God of glory coming into my life, stepping in when I didn't deserve it. Oh, may step into your life tonight. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us, or as I'm saying in the first instance, God among us. I want you to think of it in a second way. Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. Think of it as God with us, as in God on our side. I want to read to you just a quote from the psalm, the, the, um, the psalms in our, in our hymn book, and also from the psalms in our Bible, just, just to try and, as it were, show you where I got this idea. But in the Psalm 46, that great psalm of Luther's, or rather, Luther's special psalm. He loved it so much and wrote his own hymn, Mighty Fortress is Our God. But in, in the last verse of that psalm, it says these words, the Lord of hosts is with us. But when we sing it, when you sing that psalm, you sing these words, the Lord of hosts is on our side. And so I want you to think of the word Emmanuel, God with us in that sense. Not just God among us, but God on our side. It's wonderful and encouraging for every Christian to know that God sees them, or at least it should be. God sees all of your issues. God sees all of your heartache. God sees all of your problems. God sees all of the struggles. That should be a comfort to us. Hagar said, Thy God seest me. But even more than that, God is not just seeing us, but He is present. He's among us. That should also be a wonderful and comforting truth. God is not aloof from us. He is with us. But then I'm saying, God is not just with us, but He's on our side. 
it's one thing to have the presence of someone. If you think there, for example, of, of the rugby that, that we've been following in recent days, and, and, and the supporters are there, and they're cheering, and, and that's awfully helpful, all the rugby players would say. Ah, but when someone's on the pitch with you, that's a different story. Ah, they're not just cheering and giving us vocal support, but, but, but now they're on the pitch with us. They're putting their shoulder, as it were, to the game. And the Lord Jesus is one who certainly is on our side. The Bible says that he didn't just come to give us, as it were, a moral example, but rather in 1 John 3 we read, he was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. People ask us when we witness, isn't that right? Well, what has God done? What is God doing about all these earthquakes and all these problems? And where is God now? And, and sometimes, obviously, it's hard to, to, to get across with, with the blindness, of course, that's spiritual, that God has done. God has sent Christ. God has done the best thing ever He could do. God has done, God has done the thing that needed to be done. And that's hard sometimes, obviously, to get across. But God is on our side. Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God on our side. He has won the war. And we simply must step into that victory. And may God deliver us from victim mentality. God is on our side. God is on our side. Dear Christian, be encouraged again. Jacob was so uh, of the opinion that everything was going against him. He said, all these things are against me. He thought when uh, Benjamin was gone and when another son had to be kept back in Egypt that, oh no, it's all going against me. And he didn't realize that everything was working in his favor and bringing him to his lost son. And how we can think like that. But no, men and women, if we understand that the Lord Jesus is on our side, he is with us in the fight. The Bible says in Psalm 118, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what man can do unto me. You ever think like Jacob? Think everything's going against you? And the truth actually is, no, God's on your side. God's working everything for your good. We also read in Deuteronomy the words of Moses, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you. He shall fight for you. God is on our side, dear Christian. Is he on your side? Is he on your side? Can you say that this God who calls himself Emmanuel, God with us is with me, can you say that tonight, genuinely and honestly? There's one last thought, and it's simply this. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Emphasis on the us. What way am I thinking of it now? Well, I'm thinking of it in this way. God bringing us. Yes, Jesus is Emmanuel. He is the God who is among us. He is the God who is on our side. But thirdly, he is the God who is bringing us. God with us. Most of you know that I'm still doing a bit of part-time teaching. And of course, if a student comes to my class, I, I would expect them to come with their homework, with their textbook, with their pencil case, their writing paper, or their exercise book, whatever it is that they need for that class. I would expect them to come well prepared. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ will be fully prepared to go to the wedding supper of the Lamb. In the book of Jude, that little book, the Bible tells us that He will present His church. He will present His bride to the Father, faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. He will be, at that point, God with us. God with His people. God with His bride. One of the brethren quoted it tonight in the prayer time. John chapter 14. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Tell me, will you be received? Receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Will you be part of that blessed us? God with us. God, if you like, or us accompanying Him. God with us. Is God with you and are you with God? Are you on God's side? Is God on your side? May these meditations, to borrow the phrase from this morning, be strong consolations in Christ to all of you who know Him, and may they be a stimulus used of God to draw those of you who are not to Him tonight. And I am, as Mr. McIntyre always is, your servant for Christ's sake. If you're troubled, please speak to someone who you know is a Christian, who is a follower of the Lord Jesus. Be glad to do so. Avail of the opportunity. Thank you for listening so well. Let us all pray and seek the Lord one more time. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus, Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. We praise thee, Lord, for one who came from glory and was rich and yet for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. May you bless each believer this week and may they know day by day the joy of God with them. God on their side. God, although the circumstances might not seem like it, like Jacob of old, might seem to be pointing in a totally bad direction, yet may the truth comfort their souls, that God, you are on all of our sides, who are thine, and you are working all things together for our good. And we praise thee, Lord, for your redemptive work on the cross and for that completion of redemption to come, when all the saints of God will be gathered together, all the elect of God, with the great bridegroom, 
at that wedding supper of the Lamb. May all here be present when the trumpet of the Lord is called and time shall be no more. When the roll is called up yonder, may they be there. O sovereign Lord, do thy saving work. May thy word be used. May it be the seed which takes root downward and bears fruit upward. And again we pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be, one, would be with one and all now and evermore. Amen.